from LPL Financial. Welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. I'm Ryan Dietrich, and up on the phone in Boston, my good friend Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, how's life up in Boston treating you? Well, it's treating me well here, Ryan. Um, well, first, I'm a, a happy Chiefs fan after the big one yesterday. That was not the way uh, anybody expected the game to play out, but we'll uh, take the W for sure. Um, and uh, certainly a lot of people up here enjoying the weekend weather. It was uh, over 70 degrees. In fact, I think they broke the all-time temperature record for that date, January 12th. It was something like 73 degrees. Amazing. That, that is amazing. So we've got record highs in the stock market, record highs in temperature. So we sometimes make fun of you guys up in Boston down here in Fort Mill, South Carolina. It's you know, we get 70s once in a while, but obviously that's rare. You did get us. But let's go back to that Chiefs game for a second, just for the new listeners. Now, you are a huge Chiefs fan, and your dad has season tickets, correct? That's right. He was there. Okay. Oh, he was there. Oh, that's awesome. Now, is that how you guys drew it up, to go down 24-0 and just to make ratings and come back? Is that is that what you, is that Andy Reid's way of doing it, you think, or maybe not? We think um, we're so good that we can spot <laughs> the other team 24 <laughs> points and, and still win easily. So well, that's that's what we did. And we're not going to talk all about sports, but how about Tennessee? That is that is amazing what they're doing with the running game. We just punch you in the mouth, Mike Vrabel. It's um exciting. So good um good luck there, and hopefully everyone in the rest of the country enjoyed the weather and enjoyed football. Clearly, there were some losers in football. That's how sports work. So if your team's lost, I'm thinking of you. I am an Ohio fan, Ohio sports fan, so I know all about losing. So that's um. That's how it goes. But this week, Jeff, on the LPL Market Signals podcast, as you and I just discussed, we're going to discuss a little bit of geopolitics, clearly what's happening in Iran, really around the globe, what's it mean for stock markets and your investments specifically. Take a look at the economy. You know, job, a pretty solid jobs number just came out, and also it's earnings season, which is great because Jeff is our earnings expert. We're going to talk a little bit about earnings season and probably dive more in specifically to earnings season next week, but a high-level view. Then we're going to finish it off with kind of a fun one. Uh, how goes the first five days? Potentially goes the year. Believe me, it sounds very, very random. Yet the data actually, um, so far, his- historically at least, is kind of impressive. So, Jeff, I'll turn it over to you. This week's weekly market commentary, I have it in front of me here. You and John Lynch put it together. You called it assessing geopolitical risk. Clearly what happened, I guess it would have been last Tuesday, last Tuesday evening with the strike uh, that killed the top Iranian military general. Futures sold off. And even Wednesday morning when we came in, futures were down. But fortunately, at least from an investment point of view, and really from a geopolitical point of view, the tensions were diffused and stocks just continued to rally much like they did in 2019. Jeff, tell us a little bit, what did you find when you took a look into how stocks do during these geopolitical concerns. It's really, um, frankly, amazing how resilient stocks have been, Ryan, in these previous uh, geopolitical events. These are very serious events. This latest one, no different. Major escalation in U.S.-Iran tension. But you look back at war uh, and other geopolitical conflicts over the last several decades, we've got a list of 20 of them from Sam Stovall at the firm CFRA. And you see the average loss at the low point after these events is only about 5%. So pretty manageable uh, pullbacks on average. Of course, this one, this latest episode has only been about a percent. So we've, we've hardly gone down at all uh, based on the, uh, the lows of last week. But what's interesting is you historically have gotten back all of those losses within about a month and a half. So it, it doesn't take long, and that tells me that it's just a bad idea to sell stocks because of geopolitical risk. It's really about the economic cycle uh, and, you know, the Fed, interest rates, 
inflation policy, right? Things that really affect uh, fundamentals. So that's one of the messages from this weekly commentary is really continue to focus on the fundamentals, even though prospects for war with Iran are very, very scary, very serious. The market's going to follow economics and earnings. And uh, on that score, things are looking pretty good still. Uh, Exactly. Now, you know, in the show notes to today's podcast, we are going to list those 20 geopolitical events. Also, you can find those events in the weekly market commentary. And again, shout out to Sam Stovall. Thank you, Sam, for letting us uh, share the data that you had. But, you know, taking a look at the list, Jeff, I mean, I see, let's see, out of the 20, after Pearl Harbor, stock market corrected about 20%, um, went almost half a year, I guess, um, before the ultimate bottom. North Korea invades South Korea back in 1950, a 13% correction. Then only two other times that we have at least a 10% correction during one of these geopolitical events. Iraq invades Kuwait in 1990, which obviously was a recession. And then the U.S. um, terrorist attacks, 9-11, I guess we'll call it. Um, The S&P dropped about 12% after that. Obviously, that was also kind of right before a recession started in 2002. Um, So, Jeff, I mean, is it as simple as we don't want to ignore these things, but like we just said, talking about those other four times, the economy wasn't doing so well, and as we're going to kind of talk about here in a second or two, the economy's still chugging along, but is is it that simple, you think, if the economy's okay? Buy, um, how's this saying go? Buy when the bombs drop, which which is quite morbid, but it is a Wall Street saying, and and in a way, it almost looks like that's how these things play out, right? Yeah, we can look at various measures of geopolitical uncertainty or even broader policy uncertainty. And historically, buying when uncertainty is highest has been a good trade. You could also look at some of these events and say, if you don't have a recession already, like 9-11, we were basically in recession. Exactly. Or if you don't have a big spike in oil prices, and we're certainly not getting that today. If you don't have that impacting economic activity, it's actually unlikely that these geopolitical events overseas have economic impact. Of course, 9-11 had economic impact, and we saw that in the market performance after uh, that terrible tragedy. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the message, I think, here from all of these events is that most of them have marginal, if any, economic impact, and the markets are going to be driven by fundamentals. Uh, good stuff. Then, now, Jeff, the second part of this week's weekly market commentary, uh, you've got at the title here, Where Do Stocks Go From Here?, And I think this is really important, and John and I kind of discussed this also recently, but I want to read word for word one of the sentences. As a result, we think some potential 2020 gains were probably pulled forward into late 2019, perhaps limiting the upside for 2020. I was in front of, I don't know, 70 of our advisors here in Charlotte last Friday, and this question comes up a lot where, you know, we're pretty much right about where our fair value S&P 500 target is. Now, we laid that out in early November uh, for 2020. We had a massive rally in November and December. I mean, Jeff, what do you think? I mean, how much of those gains late last year were pulled forward? I mean, that, that makes sense to me, but maybe explain a little bit more what we mean when we say that. Sure. Well, we got clarity on trade in December, mm-hmm. and you know, our 2020 outlook uh, was really built on progress on trade in 2020, right? So uh, I think that probably um, spells it out right there. So we got those gains on the trade progress in December, but generally fundamentals outside of that have remained unchanged. You know, we expected mid-single-digit earnings growth in November. We have that same expectation now Mm -hmm. to start earnings season this week. uh, Certainly we'll get some more insight into how corporate America is is doing, and progress on trade helps that. Um, So yeah, we... You know, maybe you could attribute 5% of 
of the fourth quarter rally to progress on trade, maybe a little bit more. There's certainly other things going on, but um, you know that means that this might not be a double-digit year. It could be something more along the lines of mid-single digits um, if our outlook uh, plays out the way we expect. No, good points there. And you know, you mentioned geopolitical concerns and how they're still there. I mean, something else, Jeff, you talked about in the weekly commentary. And these are just these are things we've been talking a lot about. They're still there. You know, phase two negotiations with China potentially could stall. Um, a re-escalation of U.S. and China tensions obviously would erupt there. North Korea continues to be a threat. You know, inflation. I mean, we we've seen inflation starting to tick up a little bit. Some of the bigger economic data this week. Are we going to have? We are going to have some inflation data, so we're going to actively watch that and probably even discuss it more next week. Uh, the potential possible deteriorating uh, growth in Europe and Japan, and then just you know potentially the impeachment process and policy uncertainty ahead of an extremely obviously highly charged U.S. election. Those are some of the things that you you noted that are clearly still floating out there. But one of the key things I think you noted, Jeff, was we've talked about this before, but just when uncertainty is high, you know, the policy uncertainty can be extremely high. We've looked into the data, and our friends at Strategist Research have as well, and markets tend to do quite well six to 12 months later after a lot of uncertainty and logical questions. Why in the world is that? Well, when uncertainty happens, you tend to normally see some selling. Clearly, we're not seeing that right now. But you get any positive news, not even positive, just any concrete news on the uncertainty that's there, and markets can tend to resolve higher. So those are um, just some big takeaways. I mean, Jeff, before we go to the next subject, which I guess is more on the earnings front and the jobs front, specifically, I guess we'll call it economic front, anything to wrap a bow around the geopolitical concerns, or are we ready to move on? What do you think? Well, again, focus on the fundamentals. Uh, As scary as these events are, uh, historically, the evidence overwhelmingly points to it being a bad idea to change your investment strategy uh, around them. Make it as simple as that. No, exactly, exactly. Um, So let's go. Let's go forward. On Friday, Jeff, we had some jobs numbers that came in: 145,000 non-payroll. Um, jobs were created the month of December, a little bit beneath the consensus of 160,000. We did see a pretty good-sized drop in manufacturing payrolls as well. Now, one of the question I have, though, Jeff, is I've read this a couple times, and we did note it on our blog, lplresearch.com, potentially the late calendar quirk of a very, very late Thanksgiving, I guess it had been last year, might have played a little role in that because ADP also does their own version of the jobs report, and it came in really, really strong on, I guess it would have been Wednesday, then Friday we missed by a little bit. Do you think the calendar played a quirk there? Maybe February can kind of play catch up with what happened, or is it just a talking point that us talking heads like to discuss? Yeah, I think what we're going to see is a return to trend next month, and trend is higher than, than 145. It's closer to you know, 160 to 180. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the average 12-month job gain is uh, about 176,000 jobs. So, um, you know, why do we see that? Well, I think actually some jobs were probably pulled forward. That's the theme of today's podcast, right? right. Pulling things forward. Uh, I think you had some uh, some jobs that were created in November when normally they would have been pushed off, um, you know, until uh, after Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, that 145, it's hard to even call 145,000 jobs a miss. Right. When consensus was 160, there's a an error in there, a range of errors in there that uh, you know tells you that that's pretty much uh, in line, right? But if you really want to split hairs, uh, I think that number probably would have been in that 
trend range uh, had we not had the counter quirk. And then that, that, that means that we'll probably get back a little bit higher in, um, in, in the February, uh, well, the report for January that's, uh, that we get in February. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you talked about the average change per month per year. And last, let's see, I guess it's been two years ago, 2018, we created 223,000 jobs a month on average. In 2019, after the recent number that just came out, it was 176,000. So clearly a little bit of a slowdown, uh, but that's kind of more in the range where we've been for this 10 and a half year economic cycle of growth. Um, so it's almost, I think almost kind of like a goldy, you know, we say Goldilocks event. And that's kind of what Friday was, Jeff, where the jobs number came in good, but not quite too good, not quite too hot. But let's talk about wage growth in general. I mean, wage growth, it, it ticked down to about 3% approximately. And what we've found, we've discussed many times, is the last three cycles when wage growth is up 4%, that's when the clock starts ticking. That's when the Fed might you know, hike rates to, to stave off inflation. And that's when inf- the recessions have come soon after. So you know, with wage growth of three percent, it's okay, but it's dipping a little bit. But it's not quite worrisome. Am I on to something there? What do you think? Yeah, I think Goldilocks is right on. You've got more than enough job mm-hmm. growth and wage growth to support consumer spending. In fact, at this stage of the cycle, um, 150 thousand plus yep. is enough to keep unemployment where it is. And we know what consumer spending's looked like the last several years. That's been carrying the U.S. economy. So we are set up for another strong year of consumer spending. And uh, if we get any help from the rest of the economy, then uh, you know we might have a shot at growing even faster than 2%, which is pretty much where consensus is at this point. Yeah, I want to read a quote from our chief investment strategist, John Lynch, that came from our blog. In 2020, we'd like to see jobless claims and unemployment remain low with wage growth continuing near 3%. If those conditions continue, we'd expect to see the U.S. consumer contribute meaningfully to economic growth. And I think that's one of our key themes we've had for a while. And like you said, Jeff, other parts of the economy, I guess specifically we're looking at business investment. We're staring at you, business investment, where it's been a detractor the last two quarters of GDP uh, for the first time in a long time. And the consumer continues to be a biggest part of GDP growth. And if we get any positive resolution on China, Jeff, we're supposed to sign a deal with China this week, right? Phase one, isn't that the latest? It changes sometimes. But I believe it's this week, right? Yes. A big Wednesday. ceremony. You're gonna fly. You gonna go to New York and see the ceremony? Or no, it's in D.C. Go to D.C. and DC, see the ceremony. Right? Yeah. I um, I wasn't planning on doing that. I don't blame uh, you. Nor did they invite me. But it'll be uh, certainly all over the um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the media. Not going to make a, a prediction that something goes wrong, but I'll just say, you know, let's hopefully get this thing <laughs> signed. But uh, exactly. you never know in this ordeal; um, it, it's never over until it's over, right? No. Uh, I guess I, I have seen some reports of some of the elements of this, and it, you know, some of the critics say it's just, you know, ag purchases for tariff relief, and and that's it. And based on what I'm reading, it looks like there's more to it than that. This is far from over mm-hmm. and phase two is going to be much tougher and by the way, phase one took two years but phase two will be much <laughs> tougher and yeah. uh, frankly might not even happen uh until after the november election in fact it's possible that that phase two doesn't even happen at all right. and that uh tensions ratchet higher so you know we still you know our view is our view right we still think uh, we'll see enough earnings growth to push stocks higher course we'll get a little volatility uh, but it, it is possible that some of that volatility does come um, as a result of 
escalating tensions with, with China. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it was two years ago, I guess in about two weeks, when the U.S. put um, tariffs on washing machines, and that was the first kind of salvo that was thrown, and that was, I believe, the third week in January of 2018, which also took place after a record 15-consecutive-month win streak for the S&P 500 on a total return basis, and that kind of played out, and then we obviously had the down year in 2018. Um, so, Jeff, we've got, ah, let's see here, five minutes or so. Now, it's kind of fun. You know, you, I don't know if you follow Twitter a lot, Jeff, but Andrew Yang, the presidential uh, candidate for the Dem- on the Democratic side, he was making football picks, and he was consistently wrong. Every time in the NFL he was making his football picks, and people were kind of like, oh, man, I'll, I'll vote for this guy if he just keeps giving me his picks because you just go opposite and everybody's going to make a lot of money, help that wage growth we're talking about. But, you know, let's do our picks, Jeff. We're recording this Monday morning. So by the time people hear this, listen to it Monday night, or maybe, you know, honestly, tonight's the national championship game in college football. So no one's probably going to listen to this on Monday night when we release it. Nonetheless, Jeff, you can go first. Who do you think will win tonight, Clemson versus LSU? Wow. Well, I got to go You're LSU. The spot here. <laughs> They're the favorite. Right. Um, and, you know, have such a great quarterback. I think I got to go go that way. So does that mean you have to go take the other side? Well, I am going to take the other side. I mean, I'm an Ohio State guy, and I guess we all learned something last year, that if a receiver catches the ball, takes four steps, starts to tuck the ball in and turn, and then loses it, that's not a catch. So we all learn that. Thank you, SEC officials. I'm not bitter at all about that. But nonetheless, I just think Clemson is, from top to bottom, the best team. But hey, as a Bengals fan, my quarterback's out there, so I hope Clemson doesn't hit him too hard because <laughs> Joe Burrow will be back in the state of Ohio where he's from as a Bengals quarterback here next year. But um, hopefully it's a well, – I'm sure it'll be a great game. Those those two teams are awesome, so hopefully everyone enjoys that game. And we'll see who's right with their prediction um, by the time you guys listen to it. I'm taking Clemson, and Jeff is taking LSU. And I do live in South Carolina, so I kind of, I guess, go with Clemson. But, Jeff, the last thing we're going to talk about here, we're going to wrap things up in this week's um, LPL Market Signals podcast, which, by the way, uh, we appreciate all of the listeners. Um, please feel free and email us, LPL Market Signals podcast at LPL.com with any questions or comments. And we love positive reviews. Please give us some positive reviews with some feedback, and that helps more listeners listen to this podcast. Uh, Jeff, the first five days are in the book. For, at least for stock market, uh, from a from a um, trading point of view or trading days point of view, and stocks were up. Now, what does that mean? Well, we did a fun little blog. Let's just premise this with: we would not ever advise someone investing purely based on the first five days. But Jeff, when the first five days are higher on a total return basis, the full year is up eighty percent for the S. Up eighty percent. Up eighty percent of the time. Uh, compliance would not like that. Eighty percent of the time is when. Um, if those first five days are, are green. Now, what's really interesting, when the first five days are red, the full year is only up 60% of the time, so much different. And when you have a 2% start to the year of the first five days, which we did not this year, let's be very clear, but a good start to a year, 16 out of 17 times the full year was higher. Um, so, you know, I already know what you're going to say. I mean, <laughs> what do you think? Sh- sh- we shouldn't blindly follow this, but it- it's worth talking a little bit about, right? It seems like a, a feather in the cap of, of a bull, right? Oh, definitely. There's a lot of these out there. Ryan, you've, you've probably done them all. It seems like pretty much exactly. anything we test, uh, you know, an obvious one right now is what happens when the Fed stops uh, hiking rates, right? And, you know, moves to, you know, moves from hiking to uh, to then cutting and then to a pause, right? That signals uh, stocks higher. You know, what happens when you don't have a recession? Stocks are higher almost always, right? So exactly. I mean, it, it, it almost doesn't matter what you look at. Um, pretty much everything 
we've seen points to a very high probability of gains. Now, the you know the, the key question then is, well, how much uh, higher can stocks go here? And this is where valuations come in. We have clearly priced in a lot of good news. We talked about pulling returns forward from 2020 into 2019. That's certainly the case. When stocks reach higher valuations, forward returns tend to be a little more muted. So, um, you know, even though that tends to work best for really long periods of time, I think in this case it probably works. And again, we're probably more in the, you know, mid single digit range uh, for returns this year. Most likely not much better than that. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Santa Claus rally. So just we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up with this. We've got about a minute and a half to go. Um, the Santa Claus rally technically is the last five days of the year with the first two days of the next year, those seven days. And obviously the first five days of the year are what it is, the first five days of the year. Jeff, when both of those things are positive, like they were this time, Santa Claus came to town the last five days and the first two days of this year and the first five days are green. I found there are 41 times that's happened uh, going back to 1950 when both those normally bullish times are indeed higher. The full year was higher 88% of the time, 36 out of those 41. Um, and you look at the five that didn't work, three of them were recession, 2002, 73, and 1990. So if you go into a recession, like we've laid out, stocks can underperform. And that was maybe a warning sign. Who knows? Maybe Santa Claus knew that there was a recession coming and he didn't bring as many presents. And then sure enough, recession took place. The only two times stocks were down when Santa Claus came to town and the first five days were higher were 2018. In 1966, those two years did not see a recession, but indeed stocks were down. So only twice um, that took place. So if we can avoid a recession, like we've laid out here, which we don't, we don't see a recession likely this year, uh, stocks probably can continue this bull market with a lot of volatility. So Jeff, I'll let you maybe beat your chest a little bit more about uh, your Chiefs and then sign us off and then I'll, I'll bring us home. Uh, well, yes, congratulations to the Chiefs. Uh, amazing comeback. And then... Um, you know, earnings season gets rolling, so we'll talk more about that next week. But it, uh, it looks like, um, you know, probably get something around flat, and then hopefully uh, the outlook is still pretty solid for mid-single-digit gains in earnings in 2020. Well, thank you, Jeff, for being here this week, and thank you for all of the listeners. And if you want to interact with us more, please feel free and give us feedback. You can use the hashtag LPLMarketSignals uh, to interact with us on Twitter as well. Um, so, you know, it is the middle of January. How about that? And hopefully the warm weather sticks around. Hopefully everyone enjoys some football games here. And you guys keep listening. We will keep doing this. So thank you again so much. And we'll be back next week. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPO Financial, LLC. 
securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, Please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.